right, well, welcome back to another episode of Success Quest. I'm so happy to be here today. This is one of my favorite things, honestly, is sitting down with people and just just chatting about business, entrepreneurship, and success. And today, we have a real treat for you. We have Sam Lister here, and honestly, I have been following him for a while now. He's doing some really, really cool stuff, and so I'm excited to introduce him to you. How are you doing today, Sam? Jacob, thank you for having me on. I'm uh, I'm pumped. Um, things are well. I can't complain. Obviously, the world is kind of in a hectic spot, but uh, doing the doing the best I can to just really grow from it and learn how to become the the best human being I can. Yeah, and I, I think that's something we can definitely dig into in this interview is just trying to become the best human you can, and especially in times like this, it's definitely something we we ought to talk to, talk about. How has this whole situation changed things for you? Have you had to make a lot of big changes recently? Yeah, so uh, April 1st is when I pivoted the company last. And right now, our latest pivot has been just going really hard in the personal branding space with mm-hmm. the video editing side of things. So essentially helping a high-end personal brand scale their video editing. So I launched that division of the business, again, a- April 1st. So literally right as, I guess, like COVID and quarantine, everything hit. Um, I moved into a new apartment like the day we got quarantined <laughs> here in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. So that was March, like March 20th or so. Um, so it was really around then when I stopped doing, I, I guess, like rewind a little bit, a little backstory of me and my company. Um, no when we, we're essentially a video production company. So we do a lot of high-end uh, interviews, events, uh, in-person shooting, uh, that type of stuff. Um, so more like studio work. And then uh, as COVID hit, all of that pretty much got wiped out. Um, and we've been doing like video editing on the back end, not like full time or anything. It's just kind of always been there. We've had requests to do it as this, as the world pretty much shut down. Um, that's when I decided, okay, this is the world telling me something of like, Hey, you've been kind of building this back end. It's time to go all in, in the mm-hmm. editing space because you can do it remotely. I have a fully remote team. Um, so that's when like April 1st is the first month that I went really hard into the editing space, which was start of quarter two, which is seems like last week. And now we're coming up on quarter three already. So the, these past three months have been insane for myself, for the company. We've seen so much growth in this time and just a lot of learning, learning lessons along the way. So overall, this uh, situation has definitely forced us to pivot, but it was the it's been our best pivot yet. And it's really the direction we're uh, headed towards in the near future here. Yeah. I I feel like it's really easy to get in this idea that whatever you decide to do, you just have to do that for forever and you have to make a decision and just do it. And sometimes pivoting can be a hard decision. How, how did you guys come to that realization that, Hey, we need to make a change and let's just do it. Yeah, it's we literally had no choice of okay, we can't literally can't go out and we're we're not in a central business. We can't go out and do shoots <laughs> under the freaking law or whatever whatever <laughs> was in place. So I'm like, well, I have rent to pay for. I just literally moved into a new apartment. I got to make this work. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been pivoting this whole time since I got into entrepreneurship. So I didn't think anything of it. I'm like cool. This is the direction we're going. This is where we were before. Uh, for anyone listening, I'm doing hand signals. I talk with my hands a lot, um, <laughs> but we're, we're on a certain trajectory. We just needed to change paths. Um, yeah. So that's what entrepreneurship is, about. entrepreneurship is all about for me. Um, so that's really why we pivoted. So 
it's kind of second nature to me. You always need to be adaptable. So it's like, okay, this is an opportunity. Let's run with this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you're talking about how it's second nature. It's almost like your company is structured and built in a way where that's just what you do. And that's just life. I think that more more companies and businesses need to <laughs> need to realize that hey pivoting is part of this world because you see a lot of companies that go out of business from things like this yeah. they just aren't able to change quick enough they aren't able to adapt i think of like for example blockbuster with the whole netflix and the internet mm. revolution they just disappeared because they weren't yeah. willing to pivot they weren't willing to change but man, I love I love how you're talking about. Hey, it's just what we do. Like we just change and we yeah. pivot. So that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so Thank let's you. let's back up a little bit. We kind of jumped into the present time. <laughs> um, I think a lot of you might be surprised to hear how old Sam is. He's talking like I have this company, I have this team, I have these processes. How old are you, man? I'm 20 years old. So I turned yeah. 21 in October. So I legally can't have a computer yet. <laughs> we're going. We're, yeah, we're I. I think that's one of the most incredible things about you, Sam, is how quickly and what an early age you really got into entrepreneurship and how quickly you've been able to make something of yourself. Let's hear a little bit of your story. I mean, where did this all start? I know your company's blank slightly media, but how did it get from an idea or or an entrepreneurial teenager to where it is today? Yeah, so uh, it really starts in uh, in junior year of high school. So when I was 17 years old or so, um, I got introduced to uh, um, just a local entrepreneur that came into one of my high school business classes named Steve Glenn. Um, and from there, that was really the first connection I ever made. So essentially, I got his business card. He was developing a system, uh, pretty much like a on or like a summer camp for entrepreneur, like young entrepreneurs and business students and and such. Uh, so I got his contact. And I'm like, cool. I'm interested. I'm I like business. I haven't really dove into the entrepreneurial space yet. Um, so we just like maintained that connection. Nothing really happened from that as far as that startup. But the connection and network he introduced me to that was one of the most important connections I've ever made. So mm-hmm. you can really look at it at it as a big spider web. So he was kind of that first uh, web to connect me with another mentor, then another mentor. And then that really spider web of connections really grew as fast as possible, especially in the Milwaukee space. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone that's been to Milwaukee or kind of knows the Milwaukee ecosystem, it's super, super well connected. Um, so it's a like we, we call it like small walkie for a reason. We're a big ish city, uh, not <laughs> as big as like the coast or Chicago, but we're, we're fairly large, uh, but we really have a small town vibe of like everyone knows everyone. So once <laughs> you get tapped into a certain, like a few different groups, then you can really network away. So throughout like high school, as I was graduating junior year, senior year, I was just testing a bunch of different entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, really just my main goal was to network with people and find my way. Uh, so kind of throughout that process, I tested real estate and e-commerce and cryptocurrency and uh, <laughs> option trading and forex trading, literally like read about like fake internet gurus online, like posing against their like Lambos, like any of those ads you've seen. I tried all of those. Nothing worked. I was just trying to make money and I lost a bunch of money in the process. Yeah. But I was uh, I was documenting that journey through video, so I was just making videos of myself, telling telling the world what I'm what I'm trying to do, um, what I'm trying to build. So fast forward, fast forward, kept doing that through junior year and senior year. As I graduated, I decided not to go to college and just I I just needed to figure out something that would work. I quit my job, so I'm like I have no choice. I need to make something work. 
Um, so then it was the fall of uh, 2018. So I would be going into like my freshman year of college if I, if I went to school. And uh, I hopped onto LinkedIn out of all places to start creating content because there's a big dude with a, with a big black hat named uh, Quentin, Quentin Allums in Milwaukee and just mutual connections Cute. connected us. <laughs> and he's like, dude, you need to hop on LinkedIn. So I'm like, dude, okay, I don't know you, but I'll hop on LinkedIn. And then I did. And then within uh, the first week, I got my first video clients. Um, they just reached out to me. Um, it was kind of like a mutual connection in Milwaukee that uh, I went to like his um, his like innovation camps. It's from the commons. That's what it's called. So he reached out saying, I love what you're doing on LinkedIn. I would love to help you and kind of kickstart your career. Can you do videos for me? I'm like, uh, sure. I just had my <laughs> iPhone. And I was like, cool, I, can, I know how to edit it in iMovie. So I just edited an iMovie, um, invested all of that money back into uh, getting like an actual camera. And I touched the camera for the first time, like a month later. And then from the end of uh, 2018 to really like the start of 2020, like that whole 2019 year, I just kept, kept reiterating the, the business and kept investing into the business in any way, any way I could. So really just doing a lot of in-person shooting, hired a few people, fired a few people, <laughs> got a few clients, lost a few clients, really just a big learning lesson of anything in the video space. So then um, at the really at the start of 2020, which is present day, um, we were still doing um, in-person shooting a little bit, then COVID hit and then quarantine hit. And then we uh, we went really hard into online video editing, which is kind of where we're at now. So a bunch of steps in between. We don't have 27 hours to talk about it, which is how long it would probably take. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's really high level, uh, a medium, a detailed explanation of, uh, of my life <laughs> of, over yeah. the past uh, two, three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you want to hear the whole story, I mean, go to the Starting Blink podcast. I think you do a great job there of being really authentic and just sharing the story. And I, I really enjoy that because it's almost literally like, sorry, a quick little plug for your podcast, but it's almost literally like I'm just putting Sam in my ears and just listening to his thoughts unfiltered. I love it. Um, <laughs> so if, if if you want that, go ahead and go check out the Starting Blink podcast. It's really, really good. Um, Thank you. But you you gave me a lot to go on here, Sam. Um, there's so many gold nuggets that you put in there. I was just taking some notes. First, let's talk about networking and the value of networking. You said that that was kind of the key to everything that has happened since you met that first mentor, and then it kind of went out as a spider web from there. What's your top tips for someone who maybe doesn't know how to get started with networking or how to find a mentor or somebody who can help them along their path? Yeah, um, I would say the biggest one is realize people, for the most part, people want to help other people. If uh, if you see someone someone successful at an event or online, even chances are, rewind ten years, twenty years, thirty years, and they were in the exact same spot as you. Mm -hmm. So if you go up to them, chances are like they've been in that exact spot where it's yes. like, okay, it's my uh -huh. first few networking events. I remember how nervous I was. So it really comes down to how relatable can you be? And that's, I think what's helped me grow so quickly is because a lot, like almost everyone I connected with at the start, they're like, dude, I can see myself in you. Like I was in your exact mm -hmm. same shoes. So if if you're relatable like that, and if you come off as authentic and not like you, you know what I'll say, like, hey, I'm just trying to connect. I'm super new to this space. It's going to be scary. It's going to be uh, weird. And you'll need to be uh, you'll need to be pretty vulnerable. But once you make that first those first few connections, 
then you realize, oh, this is the power of networking. And then more often than not, they will help introduce you to another person, to another person. And then that's where the real web of connections gets built. So I guess the first first couple of tips would be just like, A, get out of your own way, like get out of your comfort zone. Like no one's going to make fun of you for introducing yourself. Like that mm-hmm. takes courage. They'll connect you. Maybe they won't have a 12 hour conversation with you on the spot, but like they say, okay, we, I'll talk to you and like realize it's not that bad. So definitely get out of your own way, get out of your comfort zone and just make those first few connections. Never, never be afraid to ask, just ask people about, Hey, what do you do? And just strike up a conversation, be mm-hmm. more interested than interesting. Yeah. If you want to be more interesting, <laughs> be interested in the conversation. Yeah. That's what I, I, love I joke that. That's really cool. And honestly, at the end of the day, if somebody is a jerk, and they're going to say something like that. That's not the kind of person that you wanted to impress anyways. It's not the type of person that you want to be your mentor. It's not the type of person that you want in your network. And so at the end of the day, if they hate what you're doing, who cares? Like they don't need to follow you. They don't need to listen to you. Be authentic and you will attract the type of people that you want to network with anyways. That's at least that's how I feel. I've been at the beginning, when I was first starting to try to put content out there, I was all stressed, like, oh my gosh, nobody's going to like me. Nobody's going to like what I have to say. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I'm not really that smart. Like, I had all these thoughts. But really, at the end of the day, who cares what they think? Like, I'm going to put out content, and if people like it, then they'll connect with me. They'll they'll align with what I'm saying. If they don't, then it doesn't matter. It's not like I knew those people anyways, you know, <laughs> at least that's kind of how I've had to, had to come to think about it. So, all right. So we've talked all about networking and the power of a network. And I think that that's super, super important. The other thing that you mentioned though, is testing and trying a bunch of different things. I mean, you mentioned a whole list of things like <laughs> cryptocurrencies and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And then you ended up on video production. Um, how, how did that make a big difference in your journey? And how do you know when you've found the thing that you really want to settle on? Yes, I guess all my life, I haven't been scared to spend money. Um, I've never had a lot of money. I've never, I didn't grow up with um, super wealthy parents or anything. Um, I've just worked hard all my life to just earn money any way I could. So from grass cutting to get my first, getting my first jobs, I would just invest every single dollar I had (laughs) into something else out there that could hopefully make me more money. But (laughs) in the same exact breath, it can also lose you that money. Um, so that's what I did. And my first job, I would invest everything I had into different stocks and mutual funds and stuff. Um, grew that up and then got into crypto, invested all of my money into crypto. Um, exactly what people tell you not to do. Like, yo, don't invest all of your money into these things. Like invest what you can lose. Um, I'm like, I'm going to invest everything I have. I'm young. Mm-hmm. I, I have this freedom. So technically I could lose it. Um, so I guess that's where like my testing tendencies come from. It's like, I'm always looking for ways to kind of have my money work for itself. And how do I take Mm. this $10 and turn it into $10,000? And really, what is that process? And um, as long as I like that process, then I know what kind of the winning strategy is. So back to your question of, how do you know it's the right thing? How did I know video was the right thing? And I I don't have a great question. I I don't have a great answer for it besides it it's intuitive. You need to just feel it. So when I tested real estate and e-commerce drop shipping and cryptocurrency, I never felt anything. I'm like, okay, I'm just doing this for more money. That is the quickest way to lose all of your money. If you just do something for the money, um, quickest way to hate your life too, as far as your professional life. 
But then I just realized like what I was trying to tell people throughout my journey and what I was talking about of spreading positivity and just trying and testing and not going to college and just simply telling my story with the world. I got some really good responses from that. Yes, I got some negative responses, but it was those good responses that I'm like, oh, like people will listen to me no matter where I am in life. Like I'm just mm-hmm. starting out and a lot of people don't have the the beauty and privilege to document from literally their first video ever and document that whole journey. So it wasn't like I was on there saying, hey, I'm the expert in this, this, and this. I'm just here to tell my story. Um, so that's what I really fell in love with. And then once... I really got the first uh, first paycheck in uh, in my pocket from doing that for another person. That was it. Is, so it was a it was a five thousand dollar contract. My my first contract ever with my iPhone, and that was like more money I made that whole summer and spring working like forty hour weeks at like my baseball field and like making seven dollars an hour, eight dollars an hour, ten dollars an hour. Um, but even at those jobs, I loved what I did. I, I felt it like this doesn't feel like work. So that's been a definitely common theme of my whole life. It's like, I, I still feel like I haven't worked a day in my life, uh, which is, which is awesome. So if you, if you feel like that, I think you've, you found the right thing at that current stage in life. So I love how you added there at the end at that stage in your life, because I feel like this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the importance of pivoting and changing, right? Just because something's right for you now doesn't mean it will be five years down the road or 10 years down the road. And so I think you always have to be willing to reevaluate your current circumstance and say, okay, video was good for me at the time. Is it still good for me? And maybe the answer is yes, and maybe the answer is no. But I think there's some definite value in just evaluating your current situation as you go, because things change. Life changes. It's crazy. So another question that I have for you, Sam, is this idea of documenting. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's hard for people to be vulnerable and it's hard for them to, to admit that they don't have all the answers and they're not an expert. Can you explain this process of documenting your journey and why it works and why it worked for you? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different parts to that to that question. I guess um, first part I'm going to touch on is like the importance of documenting. It's like think about crazy moguls like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Kate Spade and a bunch of these crazy crazy entrepreneurs um, and stars in the world, Oprah, whoever it is. Think about if they had videos from their first training sessions, their first mentors, their first businesses. Mm. Um, think about like Mark Cuban, like what would it look like if they had a vlog from when they were 18 years old getting into entrepreneurship for the first time? Think about mm-hmm. like Gary V is the closest example to this, but Gary still didn't make his first videos until he was 35 years old after yeah. he built a six, $60 million business or whatever he scaled his wine shop to. So that's the beauty of documenting. Like, and, and the younger you are, the better it is because you can tell that story, that ongoing story for a longer period of time. If you start when you're even 27 years old or 30 years old, uh, what if you could start at 17 years old and 16 years old and 15 years old? That's a whole decade or so that you will never, ever get back. So that's why it's so important to document young. If you're 16 years old, 18 years old, 20 years old watching this, you will literally never get this moment in time back. So why mm-hmm. not document it? Even if you don't put it out there just to have it, 
just to keep like a video diary, whatever it is, to really feel those those past moments. So that's the importance of documenting. But then going back to the to the vulnerability question and like how why do some people struggle documenting? Why do some people struggle putting themselves out there? And that really brings me to the point of like their identity and they're, they get wrapped up in uh, building a fragile identity. So this is kind of what uh, Tom Billy talks about um, is the, is the two comparisons between fragile identities and building an anti-fragile identity. So fragile identity is wrapping yourself up into uh, feeling external validations. It's feeling smart. It's feeling better than someone. And that's what you essentially wrap your identity and ego around because that's fragile. That can break at any time. But if you wrap your identity around being the learner and being okay, admitting when you're wrong, because it's a learning lesson, that in itself is anti-fragile because you can never break it. If you really think you can learn something from every single situation, it's literally impossible to break. If your business fails, if you go bankrupt, but you learn something from it and you wrap your identity around that, that's hardcore. Everyone struggles with it and no one has it perfect. But if you can really center yourself around that, then documenting, documenting is easy and taking criticism is easy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it really goes down to what do you wrap your ego around, your identity around? How do you, how do you feel about yourself when you're by yourself? Asking you yourself those questions. Man, we're going deep. I love it. I love it. So you kind of touched on two different things there. And um, the one is that biography of these famous people. Like, oh my gosh, how much I would wish that I could go back and look at like Steve Jobs when he was 16 or 17 mm-hmm. or Elon Musk, like you said, or some of these some some of these people just to see like, my goodness, what were you doing when you were that young? And how did you get from there to here? I, I just wish that that was available. And I guess we try to do that with biographies, right? But the problem with that is you're already there looking back, you know? Yeah. And so it's it's a different perspective. Even though those those events may have happened, the perspective is way different. So I think mm-hmm. there's something magical about in the moment and the vulnerability of, hey, this is how I'm feeling right now not even knowing where I'm going to be in the future. And then 10 years down the road, you can look back and see like, Oh my goodness, look where I've come. It's amazing. It makes me think of when I'm on a hike climbing like a mountain or something, Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't think you've gone very far, but then you look back and it's just, Whoa, Oh my goodness. Look how far I've come. So, wow. I can, I can see the power of that. I think starting today, I think I'm going to start recording more videos. I've been doing a little bit of it, but, I haven't really been doing it just for myself, you know, just to see like, where am I going and how am I progressing? So I definitely need to do a little more of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that like, brings up a good point of like, you, like, if you continue to grow, like you become almost unrecognizable from yourself six months ago and one year ago and two years ago. Like when I look back on videos, like when I made it in like 2018, so pretty much two years ago. I'm like, who is that? I was, I was having a talk with my girlfriend yesterday, even before COVID. Um, so literally three or four months ago, I was mm-hmm. still living at my parents' house. I had a crazy tiny office in my dad's conference room uh, in, in my hometown. Uh, I was doing in-person shooting. I was struggling with the direction of the company. And then like, I don't even recognize myself three months ago. That's how much you can grow in such a short amount of time. So documenting that journey is so important. Again, whether you post it or not, 
that's just documenting and just talking or, or writing or podcasting, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. it's powerful. Love it. And let's talk a little bit more about what you touched on with identity. I think that we live in an interesting world where partially because of social media, but I think also just because of, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think a lot of people are obsessed with appearing perfect or looking perfect or being something that they're not. Something that I've I've been able to see through just your content and stuff. This is the first time we've actually ever talked, but I've been able to see that you really, really, really are very self-aware about, about those types of tendencies and trying to combat them and be authentic and be real. And you've even posted content about how like maybe you weren't doing so good at that and you're trying to do better. And I I just feel like you've done such a good job at being very self-aware of those things. And how can we, how can we be self-aware of these types of tendencies that we might have in course correct? Yeah. A, thank you for that. B, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of self discovery of digging deep and realizing like you're in control of your own life. Like anything I do, if I lose a client, if I gain a client, if I'm not making as much money as I want, if I'm making more money than I ever could dream of, (laughs) if I need to fire employees, everything in my life is my fault. 100% my fault. Mm -hmm. My, my partner, uh, he doesn't complete a product on time. My fault. Everything goes back to me. So realizing, um, and, and I guess having that, having those thoughts, but having them not like self deteriorate, deteriorate yourself. Um, it's, it's a really fine balance because there there's a line of, okay, I'm blaming myself on everything I can't control and it has negative effects on my body. But if you put yourself in, in a position where everything is your fault, it's a super empowering feeling when you have a good relationship Mm. with that. Because then it feels like, okay, here's my life. I want it to change. This is how I'm going to change it. And that digs deep into like who you are and finding, finding your own power, finding your own self. So again, I don't have any crystal clear black and white answers of, <laughs> Hey, how do you become self-aware besides like meditation is, is huge. Like mm-hmm. I would say that's probably my number one thing, meditate or journal or whatever um, state of flow you can get into to really just be aware of your own thoughts. That's probably the most important thing is to like really sit down and think about your thoughts. Don't always have something distracting you from the time you wake up to to the time you go to bed, carve out some time in your day to just really sit and think or go on a walk and think no music, no podcast, and just sit with your thoughts. That's probably been my, my number one thing that I've changed since really getting into the space of just sitting with my thoughts. I try to be try to have silence throughout my day as much as possible, just because everything is so noisy, um, Hmm. physically. And I guess like metaphorically noisy, like when is the last time you sat in silence, ask yourself that and sit with those thoughts, set those intentions. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a good, good starting block of, uh, finding your, finding yourself. Yeah. And I'll be honest here. I think that that's something that I am really, really, really bad at. (laughs) Uh, Cause (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you, I, I I have the AirPods Pro in right now. I always have them in. Like, it's it's something that I've started to notice. Like, literally, I don't think probably eighty percent of my day, my AirPods are in my ears, and I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to music or or something. And I feel like 
I feel like now that you've mentioned that, that's definitely something I'm going to have to change and be a little more, a little more conscious about. The problem for me is that I love podcasts so much. Like I just love it because I'm learning and I'm, I'm getting different perspectives, but I think there definitely is a balance of, okay, which podcasts in my feed are the most valuable Let's maybe still listen to those, but get rid of some of the stuff that is just noise because I do have a lot that are just noise. I have a lot of playlists or podcasts that I just listen to because I want something there, you know? So I think, man, I'm going to have to go and make some changes now. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Do you you meditate at all or no? No, I've tried and I've never been very good at it. I always... So I'll do like the where I'll sit down and I'll start doing the breaths or whatever and I just, I, I can't figure it out and I can't figure out how to actually get to the point where it's helpful. I do know that it is though, because I've seen so many people talking about it. And so I guess I just never been able to quite figure it out, but I've also haven't tried all that much to be completely honest. I haven't put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Like think about how crazy, because meditation is hard for, I would argue almost anyone, um, it's very few people have mastered it. Um, <laughs> obviously there's some out there, but like it is the simplest thing you can do throughout your day, pretty much next to breathing. Cause you just sit down and breathe, mm-hmm. uh, th- besides sleeping, sleeping is probably the, one of the easiest things, maybe not the act of falling to sleep, but like physically, like on your body, like being asleep, mm-hmm. the next is probably sitting down and breathing. Yeah. Think about how simple it is, yet so challenging at the same time. That's what's fascinated me about meditation because it takes so much work and so much commitment, uh-huh. but it is the simplest task you can do. You sit down and breathe and that is it. And it is so hard, but it's, it's a muscle. Your, your mind is a muscle. Your brain is a muscle. So obviously when you go to squat or bench in the gym for the first time, you can't put up 315, you right. bench the bar, you squat the bar, and then you keep adding weights as you go. So same exact thing with, uh, with meditating. It's just a workout for your mind. So when you start out, you can't get in a perfect flow, uh, clear mind immediately. It's going to take months and months to get into mm-hmm. it of, oh, this is how I can breathe better. This is how I can sit up better. This is a posture that works for me. Um, here's the music I like, or here's the guided meditation I like. So it's it's testing those and getting your reps in. That's what it really comes down to. Everyone mm-hmm. sucks at meditating, but if you don't do it because you think you're bad at it, you definitely need more meditation because it defeats the whole purpose. So um, Right. It's yeah. almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because I'm bad at it, I need it because <laughs> my brain yeah. won't calm down. <laughs> I, I, forgot, I forgot who said it. Mark, Mark Metry reminded me of it. But the quote's like, if you, if you don't think you have enough time to meditate, you need to meditate more. Like that, uh-huh. it's, and it's so true. Interesting. Okay. So let's say I want to really, really get started with meditation what has been the way that you found to actually create that habit and make it last? Do you just start with one minute or 30 seconds? Like, do you start small and slowly build it up? Are there any apps or any tools that you've used that have been helpful? Yeah. A, I wish this was sponsored by like calm or something because I, Hey, I'll call him. (laughs) Come on, hit me up, pay me. Um, (laughs) So this is definitely not a paid promotion, but I I use calm. Um, Calm is a good one. Headspace is a good one. It's a, it's a freemium model. So there's a free 
free version. There's premium version for like guided meditation. So I would definitely suggest guided meditation at the, at the start. And there's a whole list of list of them. You can buy it for what it's like eight bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, something pretty cheap, anything like Hulu or Amazon or uh, I mean like Netflix or anything. Subscription mm-hmm. model. Um, I'd say just test with guided. Um, 10 minutes is really the threshold, like the minimum threshold I would try to recommend. A lot of like guided meditation are around 10 minutes. So um, I do between 10 to ten to 20 minute sessions and I try to do one to two a day. Um, wow. Right okay. right as I wake up, I try not to look at my phone at all. And the first thing I do is meditate and then kind of go on with my day from there. So I mix it up. Sometimes I do guided meditation. Sometimes I do non-guided and it just really depends on like the the state i'm in like how focused am i like how calm am i but yeah it's just a constant cycle of trying to get better so it's cool it's fun i'm learning to get better i'm learning to be in more in tune with my breath and not beat myself up over oh i thought about so many things during this meditation session it sucked the reality is like the where the most growth is from a meditative standpoint is when your mind wanders and you can bring bring that focus back to your breath. So mm-hmm. say I'm meditating, I'm really focused on my breathing, my mind starts wandering about my job, about clients, about other life stresses because everyone has a bunch. The act of saying, okay, I'm gonna recenter, I'm gonna focus on my breath for the next 10 seconds or five seconds or two breaths. That act of slowing your brain down and then focusing on the breath that is where the real growth is um, when you're meditating. So really focus on that. So that's okay. my little uh, meditative tips. <laughs> I love it. I think one of the reasons that I've had a hard time with meditation is because I'm very much a productivity guy. Like I'm very much a, hey, like how much can I get done in a day? I got to get my checklists. I got to get my my things done. And I feel like part of the problem that I've had with meditation is it's time where I don't feel like I'm getting something done. Right. And I think it's all just a mindset thing where I have to change, change my mindset. Do you feel like because of meditation, you're any more productive or you get more done during a day or you have a clearer mind to get things done during a day? So I'm more effective and efficient, okay. not more productive. I do less. I do less now. I'm working all, like less physical hours than I've ever worked before, but I'm getting the most done I've ever done before. I'm building more systems. I'm growing the company the most I've ever been, um, but I'm in the clearest headspace I've been. Huh. Um, and if I can feel, if I don't meditate in the morning, my whole day is whack. Like I feel just like uh, kind of this underlying stress of like, oh, I have so much to do, yada, yada, yada. Like today is a perfect example of like I meditated, uh, I had a solid meditation session this morning. And it's been my busiest day in months. I absolutely love this. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to my girlfriend this and like, I think this is the most, like going back, I think this is the most productive day I've had in mm. forever. Um, and it's not that like, I just don't work throughout the day. It's like, okay, I want to take a break. My body needs a break. So I'll take a break. So I've just been listening to my body much more. And it's for me personally, it's a way more sustainable pace um, that I'm going with because it's like, I'm 20. I'm young. If I push so hard that I burn out this year or next year and I don't listen to myself, if I don't get enough sleep, if I don't take these times to meditate and sit with my thoughts, nothing I'm building will be worth it to me. It's like, I need to enjoy every second of this process. So meditation is a big, big part that, uh, that helps me with that, but it it doesn't need to be meditation. It, It can be whatever 
can get you into a meditative state where you're not thinking about anything else besides the current moment. So mm. it could be walking, it could be cooking, it could be knitting, it could be snowboarding, any of that. Um, those are all examples of being in a meditative state. All right. I think I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this episode so that I can really, really take some notes. I, I'm just overwhelmed with insights right now. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I have a, I have a very selfish question to ask you real quick. Ask away. So I have a small advertising agency that I'm trying to build and you've mentioned teams and systems that you're building. And I'm getting to the point where it's about time for me to start building a team and start branching out. Up till now, I've kind of been like a one-man show. I've been relatively good at enough things that I'm just like, okay, I can do it all. I can feel that I can't do that anymore. Like I'm, I'm getting to the point where I really, really need to collaborate and bring on other people. So my big question for you is, what have been some of the systems that you've implemented that have helped you manage a team and manage a growing company that have been most useful? Yeah. Uh, surrounding yourself with people way better at their own thing than you are. Um, like the perfect example most recently is I, I just partnered, uh, with a company and that's handling all of my editing. Uh, we've been partnered in the past, but now I'm just really building a system where, um, instead of me managing the relationship and me and like my business partner, Tyler, managing the relationship between my, ed my internal editors and my clients and kind of facilitating that the editors and project managers I have like are so much better than I am. And Tyler is, uh, Tyler, if you're listening, like definitely like that's the reality of it. Um, <laughs> they're way better than what I could do at this point. So it's like, okay, I need to find out some system to let them excel in their own craft. So it's really like solving. It's just a big puzzle of problem solving. It's like, I know I am the biggest bottleneck of my company and mm. that's how it will be forever. So how can I get rid of my own bottlenecks? So this example was communication and uh, timelines and uh, making sure nothing falls through the cracks. I'm super not detail oriented. So that is one of my biggest flaws. So I'm working on it. I'm definitely not the best, but I have a team of people that are extremely detail oriented. So it's like, Okay, I'm giving them as much freedom as possible to really facilitate that communication and that connection. So it's building, building, uh, building a team around your downfalls, I think. And what are you the worst at and what can you outsource? Hmm. Wow. Outsource, outsource, outsource. Like that, that's how you scale. That makes so much sense. And it goes back to that idea of being authentic and being self-aware, right? You have to be self-aware enough and have not so big of an ego to understand, Hey, I'm not good at everything. There yeah. are things that I am not the best at and I can find others to help me with that. That's awesome, man. I think that that is some golden advice. So, wow. Love it. Okay. Last question for you. And then we'll, we'll give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug, but let's pretend for a second yes. that the microphone sitting in front of you is magical and magical. whatever you say, every single person in the world is going to hear it. What's the one piece of advice that you would give to the world? Do whatever you love to do. Not anyone else, not your mom, your dad, your sister, your spouse, your girlfriend, whatever it is, like do, do whatever you love to do. Because I think one of the biggest problems um, that leads to a whole nother chain of events is people are just unhappy. 
So it goes into spreading gratitude and spreading positivity and all of these things, being optimistic about the future really comes down to, do you love what you do? And that's not, I'm not just talking about from a work standpoint. I'm not just talking about what you're doing for your nine to five. It's like, love your life, design your life based on what you love to do. Because if you center it around like your passion and what fires you up in the morning and what gets you out of bed, that's where all positivity, innovation, uh, change, impact happens. Like if we have a whole society filled with people that hate what they're doing, how do you expect innovation to happen? How do you expect uh, that society to move forward? So people move and change like so much quicker when they love what they do. So I think that's really been my core message since since the start. And I touched on it a little earlier with my with my previous jobs, like. I went from from like a professional standpoint. I just went from cutting grass to making pizzas to managing a baseball field to building snow parks. And like, that's really it. Then entrepreneurship. So all throughout that time, I've loved every single thing I've done. And I've just lived such a, in my mind, a successful life because I've been happy this whole time. Yes, there's stressful moments. Everyone has stresses. But overall, I'm so grateful for the life I've built uh, because I've centered it around what I like to do. I, I just hope other people can do that. And I hope uh, this exact conversation can inspire someone out there to take hold of their life and really change their life for the better to do shit you love. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Amen, man. I always say the whole purpose of this podcast is to maybe inspire one person. Like if one person listens to this podcast and it changes their life in any way, like I am happy. So thank you, man. I I really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you sharing some amazing insights and thank you so much. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to, to talk about that you're working on or you're doing, or maybe some social media accounts people can follow you on Where Where can we find you, Sam? Yeah, so you can really follow me on any any social social media platform. Instagram and TikTok and Twitter are all at Sam X Lister. Uh, LinkedIn, just search Sam Lister. I will pop up. Uh, YouTube, Sam Lister podcast is starting blank. Um, so really, just everywhere. Facebook, a little bit um, here and there. I don't I don't go on it too much, but really, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok are my are my main uh, communication channels. So uh, really just follow me on there and then I just shoot me a message whenever. So if you're still listening, appreciate you. And dude, thank you so much for having me on. You are welcome. Thank you for being here. I know you're busy. So thanks for working us into your schedule. Dude, of course, flexible here where you got to be flexible. <laughs> I, I appreciate you, you staying patient here. Absolutely. Thank you.